Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of the Create More podcast with me, Ben Stewart. This week is part two of our Kickstarter special. Well, technically part three, but I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, this week, uh, Fortnite's podcast is with Peter Crutchin, who is the founder, uh, along with his girlfriend, who have done an amazing Kickstarter campaign or, called The Hummingbird, which is it's an easy pitch. It's uh, The Hummingbird is the world's lightest folding bike. Um, how's that for a pitch? It's good, right? Uh it's really, really cool. Obviously, I say that all the time, but it's really interesting. He's a really interesting guy. He's the product designer and also the founder, uh, along with his girlfriend who does all the marketing. Uh, and they've done a really successful Kickstarter campaign. They've had uh, hundred over 100 backers. They've raised over £50,000. And that's to develop a bike that Peter has already put in a huge amount of work in, which we talk all about in the podcast. Um it's really, really good. You should, uh, if you don't know anything about it, go on the hummingbirdbike.com. Uh, sorry, just hummingbirdbike.com. Uh, as a, what's exciting about Kickstarter, and I've said this a lot, um, is that you could, anyone can come up with an idea and just put it on a website and build it. And um, this is part two of the Kickstarter special. Uh, last fortnight, we had Sam Barkley, who did this amazing book, uh, beautiful book called... Um, I wonder what it's like to be dyslexic. And I really wanted to do this two-parter because they're both both people I work with that make. Um, it always seems bizarre that Peter kind of does, you know, our amazing in-house models, but then, you know, on the side has uh, created an amazing bike from scratch, which um, it, it's one of those really fun podcasts where the more I talk to him, the, the kind of more nonchalantly he just tells me all these amazing things that have happened. And if you... I talk about age a lot in these podcasts. I say this person's the same age as me. This person's almost. But I think I like the idea of uh, being creative and being, you know, putting yourself out there, coming up with ideas. And Peter's like, he's come up with an amazing bike, which for anyone would be amazing. And if you go on the uh, hummingbirdbike.com and look at their advertising campaign, uh, it's. It's just a really nice product, really nice. It's very visually appealing. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of Bromptons and stuff. Um, not that I have anything against them. Uh, but uh, this is kind of like a... It's a cool bike. It's a really cool bike. And Peter's only 24. And um, if you listen to the podcast, I think you'll be able to tell uh, for that dude, this is just the beginning. Uh, if he gets his way, I'm sure he'll have redesigned... Um, a hell of a lot of stuff <laughs> uh, and there's you know bits and pieces we don't talk about um, because then they're, uh, they're still in the works but if they do happen oh man it's going to be interesting another guy who I can't wait to interview in like a year or two years time and find out what he's doing because the stuff that he told me if it goes ahead will be amazing so uh, listen to the podcast uh, I think you'll really enjoy it especially if you want to know how to do a Kickstarter campaign or if you just want to be inspired about why doing a Kickstarter campaign is awesome um, talk about all about how he designed a bike how he, he basically designed a folding bike from scratch um which is amazing <laughs> genuinely i have no idea where to start with that uh yeah so go on their website and have a look at it as well uh and and buy one just buy buy 10 you know 
Why not? Uh, so yeah, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Bye bye. amazing though i mean it's such a good thing you're doing it's like an amazing hobby because yeah. i mean at the end of it you will have something amazing you know it's like a in a way it's you're recording history and if people want to access for example like ken you know there's one hour of ken you know of him talking i know i i you know, i totally agree i uh it, if i'd have just it's, done one i wouldn't i don't think it'd be very good but now yeah. it's because it's like i've up to almost 20 it's just the quantity of them makes exactly. them more important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's what you're sitting on. Like for example, like the one I my favorite one, Design Matters. You know, it's been going on for eleven years. So it's almost like now it has a history. And it was like basically it's like a library of so you can access like all the amazing designers like ten years ago. So you sometimes she yeah. does re interviews. So there's this guy like Milton Glaser, you know, the guy who designed uh, the I Heart New York yeah. logo. He's like that's what he's famous for. Wow. But has loads of other things going. Yeah. And it's it's amazing that, you know, it's like he here he was like ten years ago, you know, like starting set up, you know, it was just, just before I think nine eleven and they're like all you know ravished about it and like you know the problems with design, all these things. And now they're like, you know, he's has his own practice, he's like very well off, you know, he knows what he wants to do with his life and it's like whoa, you know, you can so you know you can look at people and basically track them through you know, what they've done with their lives. And well, I, yeah, because the reason, it's funny you say that, because when I interviewed Jane Hall from Assemble Studios, they're, you know, they're ti- they were t- not tiny, they were quite well known, but they they were like three months before the Turner Prize, and then they won the Turner Prize. So they've just been catapulted into this like next league of like, and they're winning loads of big projects. And it's like, I love the idea of going back and interviewing her in a couple of years time and being like, do you remember when you like I interviewed in like the basement of like a warehouse? Like I because they have got to move out, so they're doing amazing stuff. Well, I started ages ago, but I don't know when we'll start the podcast. But um, I'm here with Peter, and I don't want to pronounce your second name wrong. So how do I pronounce your second name? Clitchen. Clitchen. There you go. And yeah. so uh, last week's uh, last fortnight's podcast was with Sam talking about his Kickstarter campaign. And when I first thought about getting both of you on. Uh, yours was the one. Do you know it was cool? I didn't know much about yours, and since I've decided to do the podcast, yours just to me seems to have increased in profile massively. Uh, and it was only last week you just told me a load more stuff on the tube. So I should say uh, I'm going to let you explain what what your Kickstarter campaign is. So uh, well, my Kickstarter campaign was just. Uh, it's funny because I kind of came to it uh, in a way. I just loved the idea of like crowdfunding. And when I've designed a bike, I was like, I knew it, that was like the thing I want to do. You know, it's like, I want to kickstarted this. So it took like two years until I got to finally do the Kickstarter. But I knew it was, I didn't want to be too successful because there's so many things I don't know about the project that I just, I kind of wanted it actually. And I'm really happy that it, we just reached our funding goal Yeah. because 50 bikes is manageable. If we would have sold like a thousand bikes of other projects, that would have swamped us. You know, that's what happened with other Kickstarter projects. They sold so many, but they didn't know the prices or like the manufacturing and all these little other things you have to sort out basically to to start a proper business. So So, so your Kickstarter is the the hummingbird, isn't it? Yes, the Kickstarter is the hummingbird. And uh, it's basically the world's lightest folding bike. So uh, when 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 I made it, people were really impressed. And I wanted to get this in the world. Then I had the perfect 
you know, like the perfect tool to bring it out in the world, but also learn from it. So yeah. Kickstarter really helped me achieve my, you know, in my dream. But also the, for me, that was just the starting point. You know, like the Kickstarter, was, it's not the end goal. Mm. The Kickstarter was just to get the project out there. Yeah. Have, see, have people notice it and and then basically grow it from there into a proper company. And we're really close to getting there. So at the moment, so we've we have the orders, we've sold 50 bikes and we're talking to manufacturers and we're signing up a partnership. I can't I don't think I can uh, yeah. <laughs> disclose the c- company, uh, but uh, it's a really big manufacturer. They work with uh, carbon fiber. They work with like really big car brands. So they're one of the biggest in UK. They work with Aston Martin, with Bentley, with uh, McLaren P1. So they do like really amazing Are we work. not allowed to mention who this is? Because isn't, it, isn't it on your Kickstarter page you actually say the name? No, I don't. I, okay. don't, I, I don't mention it because okay. we're like we're signing a deal with them at the moment. I'm not sure whether I can disclose anything. I don't know. No, because we, we, we are talking with other companies as well. So they, yeah. are, they are like our top yeah, our top um, option but we also have other, other manufacturers we have been talking with because they're so excited about this. Obviously it's like uh, in a way, the perfect project for them because they they are manufacturers for other companies, but they don't have a, their own mm. product they manufacture, like a consumer product. And there's an organic growth to it. So they already have the facilities. They could make 100 today or, you know, 1,000 in the future. So it the company can grow with us. Mm. So they are very keen on that. You know, so if we sell, you know, organically grow grow our 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 company and our sales, it will you know it will be very good for them. So if we uh so so just to go dial it back, I guess is that since the Kickstarter campaign was was the, called the Hummingbird Bike, and yeah. you how much did you have to raise? Uh, our goal was fifty grand. Fifty thousand pounds, and yeah. and that enabled you to build fifty bikes. Yes. Wow. Okay. And then also one of the things uh, I wanted to ask you about was. Whenever I talk to you, you sound so just optimistic. Like it is going to happen. This is the things you're going to achieve, and you're going to achieve them. And I don't know how it's it's so un-British to be so self-confident. Like, cause I uh, and you have, and that's that's the really cool thing. And but every time I talk to you, you're like, "Yep, yeah, we're going to meet with this company," and you know, we're sitting down and we're talking sales. And then I'm like, "How do you know how to do that? Like, uh, how how have you just gone from never having done a Kickstarter <laughs> campaign to then, yeah, yeah, we're in major in major talks? You know, like just." I don't understand how is that just literally through trial and error, or you've just gone well. I need a, I need to, you know, go and get some carbon fiber bikes built. Google carbon fiber bike manufacturer builders. I mean, is how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's exactly how I started. So it's it's really funny because I was on the track. So um, it took a lot of planning, you know, to do the Kickstarter, obviously, and we were working quite intensely, me and my girlfriend Ligia, uh, on on the campaign and what we want to say and how we want to present ourselves. So we is it just you two? Yeah. So we had a really good going, uh, and then we met um, a friend, Yaniv. Actually, he's an architect as well. Okay. And while I was having my full time job, I was like working in my spare time on this, and I was like meeting him after hours, uh, and we were talking about the Kickstarter, what we want to say, and all, all these things. And basically, at this. It's, I don't know, it's just like I had very little confidence, obviously, in myself at the mm. beginning, but I've been in this for a year and I've just seen things grow and things happen how I wanted because my dream, I think, uh, you know, to, to make this bike has inspired other people and they want to join me. So what happened is Yaniv wanted to join us, but at the same time, Lija, uh, her, Lija's bosses who own two companies um, saw the bike and they were like really interested and... 
you know, they were like, well, you know, are you guys looking for investors? We have these contacts and all this, you know, so uh, we met up, we met up with, uh, with Piero at his restaurant <laughs> and he was like, you know, yeah, we, I'm really, this is a really cool project. I'm really interested. And we were like, yeah, we, you know, we need the mo- like, we, we want as much help as possible. So I just, I guess, so, so the reason of doing the podcast and, uh, is, not following your dreams, but you, you know, uh, you see people who've done stuff and you, you think, oh, I wish I could do that, but I, I'm not clever enough. I can't do that. But then I like to try and talk to people who are that intermediate step between, because I feel that you're only at the very beginning yeah. of a much longer process. Yeah. And just like we were talking about Assemble Studios, it's going to be amazing to talk to you in a year or two years time and find out like, you know, I'll be this little person. I'll be struggling to get interviews with you. <laughs> and, uh, but I don't, I, I literally don't know how you just went out and just designed a bike. Like, to me, that seems so complicated. Because that, that's it. Because what people may not know is that you've got this, uh, your Hummingbird bikes, it's like, it's, it's very elegant, yellow, it's a very lightweight, yellow carbon fiber frame folding bike. But you've had it in our office, like you commute yeah. in on it. Yeah, yeah. And you just made the prototype yourself. Yeah. Well, I just got carbon fiber and just... Yeah, yeah. So, I don't understand. How do you know? Well, it's... I mean... Damn it, man. How do you know how to do these things? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a more complicated story. So I've been working on it for probably four years now, uh, now that I think about it. But it's been in existence for two years. So okay. um, what happened was I wanted to get my girlfriend into cycling. And obviously she lived in a in a tiny apartment at the top of like five flights of stairs. There was no elevator, you know, it was really hard to like get a bike up. And obviously most girls bike weighing like 18 kilograms. She weighed 40. Yeah, she weighed crazy heavy, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so at the time she weighed 43 kilograms. So she was on the, you know, very, very thin side of, uh, of the scale. And literally she had no, she couldn't pick up a bike, you know, she couldn't pick it up and take it upstairs because a girl's bike, you know, like a normal bike, it's, mm. you know, really heavy. They have fenders. They're like made, you know, yeah. sturdy. Like like tanks, bikes. Yeah. yeah, tanks. And then I looked at folding bikes. So she has a flat, a small flat and, and I couldn't, I mean, I was really into cycling at the time. And I also had a super lightweight bike because I was like going up the stairs mm. all the time. And I just built myself a, a, a bike and I was just like, you know, taking it up and down. And I kind of noticed the, uh, anyway, the advantage of having a super lightweight bike, not just that, um, you know, it's, it just makes it basically come, become an access, accessory to your life. So it's not like I wasn't biking anymore. Like that was my life, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, when you wake up, you take your keys, your phone, you know, that's how I was like, I wake up, take keys, phone, bike, you know, mm-hmm. no problem. It, it, it's kind of, you know, it stepped out of my mind, like literally now, even now I function like bike is a part of the bike is part of me. It's not yeah. something I do as a, you know, like whenever I have to go somewhere or anything, it's it's there with me, just like other parts. So, you know, and it's because of the weight. Before, when I had a super heavy bike, I had to think about locking it and you know, like taking it. I was just like, oh. And as, as soon as I simplified it and got it lighter, I was like, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. And I just wanted to to you know, get get her, get Lija into that as well. And I looked at folding bikes because I think they're amazing. And everything was like you know, twelve kilograms or very very expensive. I think the lightest I found was. Uh, 9.5 kilograms it was a Bickerton an aluminium bike from the 60s it's the design Andrew Ritchie who designed the Brompton mm. copied and thought you know he could improve on and I bought one of one of the one of those bikes because uh, it's it's a really good uh, chassis in a way to build a lighter bike so I bought one of those I tuned it up so I changed all the 
steel bits and basically made it as light as possible. It was like eight kilograms uh, and took it to her. And But it was so like, because it's made out of aluminium, it's called a noodle bike in a way. It's very yeah. unsafe. That's why they went out of business. It's because it's richly, like if you weigh over 60 kilograms, you can't ride it because it just flexes so much. On the <laughs> so it's like, you know, when, <laughs> when, I, when I was on it, I could bend the handlebars with, because it has like this big chopper handlebars, you know, and literally like if you pull on them you, you bend them with, with your force so it's not literally like a safe commuting bike yeah so you know i was like okay i'll design you know i'll, I'll make a bike most people would at this point go i'm just going to buy my girlfriend a much more expensive lightweight car- lightweight carbon fiber <laughs> bike but you decided to just design your own yeah so okay this might be a good point to go back why what did you what do you do like what is your job because i obviously yeah. work with you you work in a model shop but you're yeah you've only been at make for what Year? Yeah, less than a year so yeah. since the uh, summer. So what, what is your background to just so, be able to go and design a bike? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in art. So I've been like drawing and, you know, drawing and like making art since I was young. And actually when I was young, I wanted to become an artist. So I studied sculpture and I was like, I'm going to become a sculptor. Uh, but basically what happened was, you know, uh, I needed to have an income and a job and all these things, you know, mm, and my yeah. parents were like, <laughs> well, actually, you know, you need to find something you to do with your life. So we found out this, uh, I mean, I found this compromise thing called model making in a way. So, cause, and what got me into it was they were advertising this course in UK. I, can, I come from Romania that it's like a, a course where you can learn to sculpt and like learn the industry of model making, which ties into architectural model making, mm-hmm. product model making, and then film and i thought oh film you know you can sculpt monsters and all these things and have fun and basically earn money as a as a as a sculptor and funnily enough uh, one of my friends gary just uh, designed a sculpture with term of uh, arnold schwarzenegger you know the terminator when he comes out he's like a muscular thing out of bronze and he presented it to arnold schwarzenegger no way yeah like there was an event in birmingham last month or something and there was a charity thing and he got in and he presented the sculpture to arnold schwarzenegger on stage and everyone was like and he was went off to auction for like loads of money so he's like super famous now and rich is this one of your friends on the course yeah 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 so (laughs) prolific guys on your course yeah yeah i know there's another girl who designed prosthetics um so she designed a way to laser cut like um basically uh, make prosthetics like legs or limbs, mm. you know, like customized for the person. And there's like a process she invented and a company like offered to buy it for like 250K, just like straight out of graduation, you know? Did she do it? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, because we weren't that close, but I, I I think she's starting her own <laughs> company or something. So it's, it's a, I mean, it's an amazing course because <clears throat> what happens is you, if you're like a smart person, you know, you have ideas, you learn how to do them in a way. Mm. So it just gives you that, like, I would say this is the best kind of thing you could do with your life if you're a designer or an architect or anything, because you learn how to build things Mm. and that informs anything, like this understanding of the reality of like physicality and ability, like your confidence that you can build stuff that withstands whatever is basically what informs, you know, Mm. makes you a great... I I was listening to an interview with Johnny Ive and he was saying it's so disappointing now that... um, modern graduates now don't they don't they just do everything at computer they don't understand the materiality of how to get stuff built yeah. whereas you've kind of come at it from the other direction you understand totally and you'd kind of 
you're now designing using all that knowledge. It's yeah, kind of exactly. A much, a much more logical way to go about stuff. Yeah, right? it's it's really funny because I after I graduated model making, so uh, I got a job at Therefore, and it's just around the corner, and they're a product design consultancy, and they're they're pretty great, but. Uh, none of the new designers, you know, know how to do anything. And so they just design shells. But the director, one of the directors of the company is like an old school. She doesn't know how to do CAD. So it was all you know, every day with us in the workshop, you know, proving his, uh, his concepts. So it was just amazing, you know, to see that kind of like attitude. And that's why I think his design work still stands is because he understands, you know, how things work in reality. And CAD is very different than reality and that's why i think there's a a dip in a way in products like you know you just see products and you're like complain you know like <laughs> i mean especially like with phones you know it's like oh you know just wish they could you know because i mean people have this uh, passion for technology you know they think there's saved their lives you know so whenever someone has a problem they say they're lazy they're just you know hoping that someone will create something for them like a chair you know to yeah. sit down or you know like we we're hoping technology will save us, you know, through everything. So we kind of become very expectant of things. So right now, like, for example, if it's a, if it's a bike, you know, you, you easily become dissatisfied with the product and you stop using it. Like if it's heavy or you don't like, if it's not something that you don't even notice, you know, like mm. the best things in your life. And I think yeah. the best design, it's stuff you don't notice, you know, like a spoon. Or yeah. The moment you notice it, something's wrong with it, you know. <laughs> It's like, uh, why is this spoon so small, you know, or uh, why is this, you know, uh, the knife not sharp? And you're like, yeah. uh, you know, why didn't haven't invented a, a knife that doesn't get um, yeah, I know a bit like that. Yeah, it's a really good point. <laughs> so I guess this is what happened with the bike. You know, I mean, I I never I never designed it really. I just wanted it to do things that I knew I wanted out of a bike. You know, I wanted not to be a compromise. So that means I wanted to have like a normal riding style on it and feel really secure and safe. And I didn't think of the folding mechanism as my primary concern. So that's why it doesn't fold as small, but I think that's not important. What's important is the weight, because when you have something uh, and you have to carry it around with you, mm. what matters is how heavy it is, not how big it is. Yeah. yeah. If, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, it, it matters. I mean, that's why the bike folds, you know, and I just didn't make the world's lightest bike. I made the world's <laughs> lightest folding, folding bike, you know. And because you, I guess, because on a train, you can only take folding bikes or on the tube or something, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So do, do they, they don't give a size minimum size? No, so it's no. Just, it just has to have a folding yeah. component. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It has to fold. So, I mean, I've, I've been, as I said, the bike exists for like almost two years now, and I've been riding it like pretty much, uh, you know, every day or, or close to that and just like testing it out and seeing so I've been all, in all the situations someone with this bike would would get into you know has so he gone I, on the tube yeah I haven't noticed <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy showing off the bike oh, yeah. here everyone yeah. likes bike oh look how light it is that's it isn't there yeah. a funny uh, there's a funny uh, stat I saw on DZ and it was like your bike weighs as much as six pineapples or eight yeah. pineapples or something yeah yeah did they? Did you give them that stat? Yeah, yeah. So uh, why we've... pineapples? Why is that a, uh, <laughs> a because, <unit> of measure? <laughs> oh, this is really hard because I mean, when see when we were designing our campaign, we you know weight is such a hard thing to explain over a video. Mm. You know, like weight is a is a concept that's really hard to understand. Really, like oh, you know, like if you say someone buy this because it's the lightest, if you don't know what light is or mm. you know like what's the reference, 
how can you tell whether this bike is light or not? So giving, we thought of like giving, Lija actually uh, thought of giving this comparison. So we're comparing them with actual things like it weighs like as much as three MacBooks. Mm. And you're like, okay, three MacBooks are not that heavy. I mean, I can carry that around easily, you know? Yeah. And it just like, that's where, where it come from really. Um, it's quite clever because it has stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah. And the bike is yellow and a pineapple is yellow. <laughs> and also you, you put bags and, you know, pineapples in a shopping basket, you know, you carry that in your hand, a bike in your hand. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, so you've said it's the world's lightest folding bike. Yeah. Has anyone contested this? No. No? No. Uh, Mr. Brompton hasn't been like, um... No, no, no. No. I mean, the lightest Brompton actually weighs like 6.8 kilograms, but that's like a super tuned bike, so it doesn't have a folding hinge anymore, and the like the handlebars don't fold anymore, nor the frame splits. So it's just... Um, <clears throat> Sorry, something's happening with my throat. <laughs> That's all right. Do you want to grab a drink? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go on then. Uh, pause. Yeah, we're back in. We're back in. We Throat is cleared. Water has been consumed. We're all good to go. So you were telling me uh, you had an eight, eight pineapple heavy bike. Uh, no one's contested. And you were making a prototype for your girlfriend. Yeah, so, um, I mean, there's different things. And I'm sorry, you know, I think I'm a bit... I've, you know, I kind of rail off track. Oh, I do it's, too. So I will do it's... my best to keep both of us on track. <laughs> but don't worry, you could disappear off on, on a tangent. I will, I will All right. Back. So, I mean, I'm trying to make sense of the story in a way, because uh, I like to talk about so many things and I get excited about loads of things, you know. Um, it's it's hard to kind of make sense sometimes. But on, on the topic of the bike, <clears throat> so there's, there's different, you know, different parts of like the system and the company we want to build. Mm. So obviously there's the image, there's the product, and there's the actual company and how it's going to run, you know, how how are we going to sell this? You yeah. know, and I think luckily with me, everything combines within me and Lija mm. because I understand the product. Yeah. I also understand, you know, how to make it. And I know everything about bikes mm. and I'm really passionate about it. So obviously I think I can make the best, you know, the best product out there. And with the help of Lija, she's a marketing, you know, strategist. Yeah, quite the power couple in this <laughs> start campaign, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, uh, I know. It's 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 really lucky, I think. And also, I mean, I have so many ideas about other products, and I'm gonna I'm gonna launch them through Kickstarter soon enough. But obviously, now it's and I will promote them on this podcast. <laughs> cool, thank you. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna work like like that really. I think I, I love Kickstarter. Obviously, there's downsides because Kickstarter takes about eight percent of your income, and usually, like a what investors call a successful business is when you make a fifteen percent turnaround. Mm. So after you know, like you paid everything off, fifty percent. So they fifteen or 50? 15, 15. 15, Okay, <laughs> that's a very good company. Like you know, that's good good profits. Mm. Um, so you know. Like, oh, and Kickstarters take 8% exactly. of that feeding. Yeah. Oh, right. So even if you do incredibly well, you're still only left with 7% profit. Yeah, exactly. But it gives you, I mean, uh, if we get into Kickstarter, it gives you such an amazing platform. Like the reach that you can get on Kickstarter is unbelievable. Right? Yeah. But I, I imagine, you know, it's it's a huge amount of hard work. But in the same way that, you know, with this podcast, I have software that can get me around the entire world for free. Yeah. Kickstarter does exactly the same. I mean, have you had random places where people have put in Kickstarter orders? Yeah, yeah, so I mean, the bike has been sold all over the world. Uh, there's people from uh, Japan, 
Africa, like uh, Ireland, even what's Greenland. So someone from Greenland bought, bought one. You know, it's like so weird. Canada, America, Brazil, Mexico. It's literally like it's been spread across. Like there's no cluster. I think, you know, like my main target was UK and we sold only five bikes in UK. So, <laughs> you know, like out of that, <laughs> it's literally been an international a very international thing for the amount of bikes we sold. It's pretty amazing because we've been, um, I think, featured in about 157 articles so far, and it's continually growing. So we just had an interview with um, with um, A to B magazine. Mm. So they featured us. It was it's a really nice article. I mean, it's one of my favorites because the guy who wrote it did some amazing research. So. He got all the facts right. He was very neutral, so he understood, like you know, like understood everything about the bike. Like he asked us only very technical questions, you know, about the product, and then all the research he done he did himself. Mm. It was really amazing. And we we're also talking with someone from from the Evening Stand. No, we had um, from Guardian. Mm. So yeah, someone in Guardian is interested in doing an interview with us, and it's continually going on like that. So uh, last. Last month we had um, a crew from Romania film do like a, a, a little um, you know piece on on hummingbird bikes. So they filmed us and had in my interview. So <laughs> it's pretty pretty amazing actually. I mean this is this is what now now on this podcast you know. Yeah. Well, this is obviously <laughs> the pinnacle of everything you've achieved. We're obviously being this I, I agree. But it's like. Uh, <laughs> I, I say this a lot about make, but I'd say like makes makes an architecture practice, and but it's also it's kind of like a like just a hive of people doing other cool stuff. You know, for example, I can't remember how I found out you did Kickstarter campaign. I think you may have just emailed it to the office, but it was something along the lines of I just you were just helping me on a model, and I'd yeah. not met you before, and we were just having a chat, and I was talking about the podcast, and you and you were like talking about Kickstarter, and I was like, oh, you've heard of Kickstarter? Then you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm actually doing a Kickstarter campaign. And I was like, oh. I didn't know you. Oh, what on? Oh, yeah, I'm doing a bike. Well, you designed a bike. Yeah, yeah, I designed a bike. What? Yeah, no, it's in DZ. Look, on today's DZ. What? How are you? <laughs> how are you doing it on DZ? Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so I was like this. And then and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to get, you know, get the Guardian in. And we're in talks with the, they who can't be named. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I was just blown away. And I kind of, I think you were saying it was lucky that you only got 50 orders. And I wanted, yeah. that's another, I, I, I'm really interested, you know, some Kickstarter campaigns get so oversubscribed that they just, they just, they just break under the weight of all their orders, don't they? Yeah. So, I mean, because the, the problem is, I mean, I've, I've have made a prototype and I've been writing it around, but it's not a, like a true and tested, you know, properly to the market mm. idea. Do you have to actually regulate it like you do, do official like test? Yes. Break, so, the frame and... yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, that's that's like the, all the things you know because I mean when we did a campaign I just had the prototype that mm. I've been writing about. <clears throat> what if there's something like crucially wrong with it that mm. I don't know? And I just sold a thousand of these bikes. You know I'm like sorry it's not in the UK it's fine. <laughs> yeah yeah you know I'm like what so obviously like it's it's easier to manage you know fifty bikes and also yeah we so we we need to test this bike out mm. and we need to improve the design and there's so many things I'm I'm working on at the moment. Just to make sure it's it's gonna be fine, and obviously it will be fine because I don't see any any problem. So there's a there's a for UK to sell them in here actually you don't need a EN standard, so it's like an ISO testing. But to yeah. sell it in in the U European Union, yeah, if you manufacture them here, you don't need to test it. So that's why the Brompton I think doesn't have it. Ah, cunning. There's no yeah, there's no badge on on the 
But obviously, we want to do it. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm 100 sure it will pass the test because I've been writing it about. And yeah, I was gonna with, say with with the, the with the way we build it, uh, carbon fiber works in layers. So, for example, let's say we didn't see the design. We're gonna do a batch of five, test them out, and there's a, if there's any problem, we just beef up the basically the this the layup. So it's gonna be a bit stronger, and it's gonna pass ultimately. There's no you know there's no problem. I want to think that. Uh... <laughs> You know, you said you're doing a prototype for your girlfriend, and she's like, "You know, Peter, can't you just buy me a bike?" And you're like, "No, no, 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 I'm going to build you one." And she's like, "Ah!" And then you come back, and there's like a montage of all your <coughs> prototypes. The first one's like bits of wood, sellotape with handlebars on, and then everyone gets better. But did you was straight away? You like, I'm going to make it out of carbon fiber. It's going to be I, I, you've, I've sketched a shape. I yeah. don't actually know, like, how do you actually build a frame like that? I don't know. Oh, I mean... Oh, Ben. <laughs> you naive, silly Yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was literally, it was nothing. I mean, I think I built the whole bike in two weeks. Literally, uh, I I kind of cheated a bit. I made it into my final major project. My oh, tutors were a, bit, were a bit, like, suspicious of it. But I think I've been... I mean, I don't know if I say it, but I, I think I'm a bit of a lazy person. So, And also, I'm interested in many things. So it's hard for me to like keep focused on one thing. So I had three months for my final major project, mm-hmm. but half of that I spent on an architectural model actually, and then half of another like three weeks I spent on <clears throat> on this other sculpture I wanted to do because I just wanted to cover my tracks to find a job at the end. Yeah, and then I had a month and a half I think left, less than that, where I had to you know do the CAD for the bike, so design it, build it. And basically do my all my papers and like research and all these things, but the the as I said, you know, because I I want I knew I wanted to do this. I've kind of prepared myself before that. So that summer before the third year, I went to see this guy who does carbon fiber. So he's like a bit of an expert in in Romania. He lives like six hundred kilometers away from my hometown. So I had to take a train for twelve hours to get to him, which was a bit annoying and horrible. But <laughs> I got there. You know, he got me and he taught me all of all these things and I just show me a bit of you know how to work with carbon fiber and <clears throat> yeah it was it that's kind of like was the introduction so I knew what I wanted to do mm. I needed I got a bit of confidence you know I can do it and then I don't know it just worked out I mean I think it's like this kind of case where if, if you put your mind to something you know you can you can do it and I've never had like a moment of doubt or like oh it doesn't work I mean I, I did have actually <laughs> when I designed it because <clears throat> What happened was each kind of solution has its own problems, you know, and, and literally like the, the system of this bike is quite complicated as a, you know, as, as it works. And the way I solved it was <clears throat> before sleep. So I would, you know, like draw up, you know, literally like bang my head against the walls to trying to figure it out because there were so many problems with it, you know. And, and the thing is, that's why other folding bikes are complicated. You know, so for example, with a Brompton, it has a chain tensioner on the back because what happens when you fold it, the chain tension drops because mm-hmm. the the pivot of the bottom bracket is offset. Yeah. So, so to solve the problem of chain dropping and you know loosening, they put a chain tensioner in there, and there's I don't know it does it does another thing. For example, the the stem folds in a way, so they put a clamp there and all these things. So they mm-hmm. add weight, they add complication. You know, it adds stress. And, you know, it makes complexity to the whole project. Mm. So I wanted to remove that. And obviously, I kind of, you know, wanted to improve all on what other designers have failed because uh, I, I forgot to mention it. But actually, when I decided to do this bike, 
you know, I mean, I was a big, as I said, cycling enthusiast. I think I had about 12, 15 bikes at the moment, at that time. When 15 I, bikes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, now I have about seven or eight. I've downsized a lot, actually. What, in London? You have yeah, bikes. yeah. In London, I have a mountain bike. I have the Cougar. I have a Planet X track frame. I have my Colnago. I have the folding bike. And um, I had a Strida, which I threw away, actually, because it was broken. And I don't know, basically... Where do you live in a warehouse? <laughs> <laughs> no, I live in a flat. It's so horrible. Like, my, my, my housemates hate me because, obviously, they're taking all the space. And it's I imagine you're, like, like cooking, parts cooking utensils hanging from the ceiling. You've just got, like, like everyone has to duck when they go in your room. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a, a frame on, on my desk. You know, <laughs> on where my computer is, there's a, there's a frame on the desk. And, be, be, you know, underneath there's, like, loads of bike parts in it. It's literally a mess, like... And I, I kind of want to get cleaner, you know. I want to, I want to get down to two or two or three bikes, really. But that's like uh, in the future. So yeah, uh, I bought loads of bikes, you know, like folding bikes. And I looked at all the mechanism and I saw what they're doing. I was riding them. Uh, I have an A bike, which is one of the smallest, most compact, the bikes by Sin- um, Sir Clive Sinclair. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, it's it's an amazing bike, but it's literally a joke bike. You know, I mean, it's 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 not it's not it's an amazing bike because you can like, if you would I don't know, live in a perfect world where everything is flat and it's like closed streets and you just have like a ten minute, no, let's say twenty minute walk to your work, and there's a perfect straight line and you just want to make it five, you just have this and ride around and it's perfect. But it has really tiny wheels and it's more like a, a scooter with with pedals. So. Mm. So what happens is it's it's very uncomfortable. It's actually light, so it weighs 5.6 kilograms, but I wouldn't consider it a bike because it doesn't have any gears, and it's I mean it's it's a hassle, you know. It's basically a scooter with uh, mm. with pedals. So imagine the comfort on cobbles or like it's. Can I ask um, the, the 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 distance between the wheels, whatever that is called officially? Yeah. Um, is that wider than a Brompton? Is that longer than Brompton? Because it no, your bike felt more secure cycling on it. No, it's actually it's actually Brompton. it's actually almost the same. So it's one one oh five millimeters. So sorry, uh, one oh five centimeters. So one meter and five centimeters. Because I am. Um, do you remember I I kept because I, I was playing around with your folding bike and lifting it up and letting the wheel kind of flick underneath it and stuff because we did uh with Make we did some like all sop cycling event. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the photos and one of the races was a Brompton race. Yeah. And part of the races you had to grab the keys of someone, put a Brompton together, do a lap of this course, and then unfold it and clip it all back together. So I hate Bromptons with a passion because <laughs> I find them so scary to cycle on. And uh, zooming up and down yours on the street, I was like, this feels more secure. But then I, there's only one folding part in it, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, it's very hard. Yeah, little wing nuts. Yeah. And, like put the handlebars together. It's really hard to explain a few words to make sense to people. But what happens is, you know, in my restless nights, you know, uh, I was sleeping and thinking about all these folding mechanisms and how to fold it, and I had loads of ideas that would have been more compact or more amazing, but they were so complicated and like literally hard to achieve realistically because mm. you, know, you need to put bolts and stress points. It just didn't make sense. I have I still have loads of drawings. And as I was sitting in my, you know, like almost fell asleep and I was in, I don't know, this world thinking about my problem because obviously I had to, because I t- undertook this project for my final major, you know, and that was like the only thing I could show for my final major. If I couldn't show anything that worked, mm. would have been a failure. You know, my life would have failed. So I was like just literally <laughs> so stressed out. No pressure, but your life would have failed if you didn't <laughs> achieve that. <a> <laughs> yes, my life would have failed for sure. So I was like, in, you know, couldn't sleep. 
and there's like wrist, you know, like just th twisting and turning. And I think I was, was almost fell asleep. And then it just like hit me, you know, just like bam. So I turned on the lights, just jumped out, looked for a piece of paper, you know, sketched it out, like the idea. So the, the basically what the idea was the pivot, you know. So I moved the pivot of the folding uh, mechanism to the center of the bottom bracket. What that achieved was I removed the chain tensioner and I created a whole structure. So with this single, you know, idea, basically, yeah. I basically just designed the whole bike so that the whole bike just became, you know, a, achievable really so you well, know because also that's the strongest part of a bike isn't exactly it? Where, yeah where, where exactly where you, exactly through, exactly where you put your pedals it's there's a lot of material there you know because you have and this is what like the smart thing because you obviously have an axle and that mm. axle adds strength you know and if you kind of learn to harness that potential you can use it as a hinge and basically that's what i did so instead of having a hinge somewhere else where it needs to be strong and mm. also adds you know uh, complexity i've um i've removed it and <laughs> Combine everything into a single into a single structure, and also um, what what happens is it permits me to use carbon fiber because the problem is if you would put a hinge in carbon fiber, for example, in in the middle of it, you would need to reinforce it so much, and you need to use a, an aluminium cast joint that obviously I couldn't manufacture. It would have to be bought, or you know, you depend on someone mm. else really. Um, that it would it would have negated the you know the 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 weight of carbon fiber. So. It's it's a weird thing, you know. That's why other people haven't done it. It's because they think of traditional ways of building bikes, and that entails the same weight. Mm. There's there is actually a mini max, a carbon bike, out there, and it weighs ten kilograms, you know. And there's a five thousand or no, six thousand dollars Allen X, and that weighs nine point seven, I think. It's the same made out of carbon fiber with a really just a you know the normal middle joint. Yeah. So you've just collapsed it in half, really. Um, <clears throat> So I think that was like the crucial point when I realized, you know, the the, the folding mechanism. It's it's. I mean, as far as I know, it's entirely new. That's what makes the bike special. So did it, did you at any point think someone must have thought of this? Oh yeah. Like I mean, uh, no no. I I'm not. I can't be the first person to thought of this. There's uh, and that kind of that element of self doubt, which which stops. I would imagine ninety nine percent of people taking their first step into an idea because you're like, Joe, I've come up with a new. A new hinge on the bottom bracket. Nah, I'm sure. Going back to sleep, someone must have done that. But <laughs> and then you went and did your research and found out no, no one. No, no one has yeah, done yeah, it. no, no one has done it before. Did you is... then go? Well, why has no one done it? Maybe it's a crap idea. No, 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 it's a good idea. I should go along with it. Like, do you know? Did you ever like that? <laughs> I, st I, I still think it's a crap idea. I mean, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still waiting for that moment where I'll be like, oh no, you can't do it, really. You know, I'm like, uh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, but I think, I think it will work out. You know, I mean, I think if you have, um, if you have passion and you have a great idea, mm. you know, I think it's important as I can't stress this enough for our listeners that you know there's so many bottle openers you can make on kickstarter or like wallets you know you kind of yeah. it's it's so sad at and i think i kind of get it because hard work i mean you know great ideas require a lot of hard work and hard work doesn't it's not free you yeah. know like it needs you need to invest something to get you know something out of it so obviously a lot of people just go because i mean I, I i'm on kickstarter every day and i look at all the projects and there's like dice or a bottle opener or another you know, a multi-tool or something. Mm. There's, <clears throat> in terms of like projects, you know, like design, obviously in terms of art and, and film projects, they're amazing work because obviously there people, you know, have to invest time and they, mm. there's, it's their passion. Yeah. But well, it's, it's interesting you said that I was obviously winding up saying, you know, you just came in with a perfectly working folding bike, but it's amazing to hear you say, oh no, that was, that was two years of 
that was a, that was a, that was a third year like dissertation project. You know, that's yeah. a huge amount of work. If you if you had to charge an hour, uh, like fifty pounds an hour for your time, that's thousands of pounds worth of research. Yeah, thousands of pounds. So it's kind of it makes me feel better to understand that you know the part of the podcast is always finding out. I've just realised that the people I interview they just work really really hard. And they're very, very passionate. And if you work hard and are passionate, you will achieve amazing things. But you have to be, you just have to just keep chipping away, right? There's no, there's never yeah. going to be a day where, oh, the next day everything's perfect. It's always going to be like a little bit here, a little bit there. There'll be good days and bad days. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, if you have, you know, if you, if you have a wish, I guess, I don't know, it's, it's weird because I don't want to say passion because, I mean, I, I never felt passionate like... You know, people have this like, you know, everywhere you hear in the media or like you open up, I don't know, a design article or you know, like a fast company, passion is the key to success, passion, yeah. passion. I don't know, any, everywhere is like, oh, passion. <laughs> but passion is such a hard, I mean, for me, it's hard to define, you know, what, what is passion? I mean, I think I just have an interest, you know, in, in, in looking at, at things and like taking them apart. And, and obviously not everyone can have that, you know, like you have to have your, you know, just your thing you're interested in and it's not something that has to be like you know and for me there was an internal pressure to do something mm. you know it's not like i was like mm, i need to be successful in my yeah. life you know like i want to achieve success like mm. I've, I've like even now like my there's no success in mind literally like i have no success i i only think about i love this this bike i love this thing you know and and i just you know, enjoy working on it. You know, it's mm. it's it's like a downtime for me. You know, like I think about problems. So that's the thing. Like you know, if when I went to bed, I would think about the bike. Yeah. You know, so I would be in bed and think about how other people solve the problem. You know, like how what what are the problems with this you know design and and this is like a very I think it's a very important thing. I don't know if I can put it into words, but this is the most important thing. Is about you know thinking. You know, it has to preoccupy your mind, and you know as as you chip away with it, it's like. I, just, um, I started listening to this uh, audiobook, you know, The Martian, you know, the movie. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think that's an amazing, it's an amazing, uh, <laughs> an amazing story because what it shows is that, you know, if you put your mind to something, you know, and you kind of, you know, he works hard. But the thing is, if you think about solutions mm. and not problems, you will, you know, you will, it's always a way out, you know. Yeah. There's always a way out. There's always a way to achieve what. What do you want to achieve? Well, I think, I th you know, you were saying uh, you've got so many other products in your mind, right? Uh, but they're not necessarily bikes. They're yeah. just all sorts yeah. of other products. Yeah. So I, I think I coming down to London kind of opened my eyes up to how many different industries and how many different creative outlets there are. And I've always felt that people who have that creative itch, you know, you were saying, you know, you just have to be doing something. You have to keep busy. People who have that creative itch and don't scratch it and just and then ignore it kind of i think get bitter and angry yeah because it they, they can't work out why but there's just something in them and it's like the nice thing about kickstarter is yes someone's done a dice or a bottle opener but do you know what power to them you know they've gone and done it it's a hard process they've got think of how many things you've learned from doing a kickstarter yeah like marketing interviews publicity like how to design a bike <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, i mean it's how to have a company you know and, yeah. and get the uh you know because one of the problems was getting um an account for a company because in UK it's really hard to get a bank account for a company because obviously they, they think about money laundering and all these mm. things so they have to check you out. It takes almost a month you know, to get one. Like you can go tomorrow and open yeah. a bank account at uh, Barclays you know, and you have it. But to get a bank account for a company it's a different story. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it was we were lucky we had help but yeah, there's so many things that 
knock you down, you know. Mm. But I don't know. I mean, I just saw it, saw it as another stepping stone. You know, I never thought about oh, like, oh, I'll stop now. You know, and I don't think like even if, for example, tomorrow we fail and something happens, the bike is destroyed or it just doesn't work. People want their money back. I won't stop, you know, and be like, okay, I'll shelve it. You know, that's it. Because uh, I, I mean, I understand. I, I love the idea. And I think I'm trying to press on for something bigger. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I think. My... That's interesting. You, you're, you're saying you want to press on for something bigger. Bigger yeah. than. Yeah, because like... I'm, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the world in a way. You know, I think. Uh, and I've always been, you know, unhappy with how things are. And I yeah. always think, you know, I have the optimism that I can do better. You mm. know, as, and. And this is where I think this is where everything comes from, you know, like all the evolution and, you know, basically life changing ideas, you know, because I mean, people don't notice it, but like literally Facebook made your life better because now you can get in contact with everyone you want, you mm. know, and it's just like as people, I think we are a bit upgraded than, you know, people we didn't have internet. Obviously, everyone knows that it's almost like a truism, but, you know, it's just like these things that you have to push for and, you know, mm in society for them to happen sometimes you know we have you know it's it's you know a lot of adversity in the world a lot of naysayers and obviously sometimes you have weird causes or i don't know but my cause really (laughs) is you know to improve everyone's life you know i just want to make it you know because day to day you know there's so many things i mean you ignore but there's so many things that annoy you like for example I'm thinking about the housing problem. Like, you know, this is one of the things I'm thinking about because I live in London and it's very, very dense. You know, and you live... And also, if you don't own a house, you're screwed, basically. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're really expensive. You can't get one. And obviously, there's a lot of people here. There's the commute as well. And the bike solves, I think, it tackles one of these, you know, one of these problems. It would make your life easier if you commute by cycling because mm-hmm. you're spending less money on transport. You know, you're doing something healthy and it also it's small and compact and you can take it with you anywhere. So it does that, you know, like that's one one aspect. But there's can I, can I ask him um, with uh, how did it feel when cause if I had a project put on DZ, I'd be, I'd be blown away. That was one of my dreams, right? To have a project on DZ. <laughs> and like genuinely, I did a project. Uh, I designed a, like a tiny, a small library and it's been finished. And I'm like, I keep waiting for it to be finished with books and stuff to take photos of it. It's a, like a small, like, but I would be, that would like, I would be a pinnacle of my career at the, at the point of getting a project. <laughs> but you're like, yeah, yeah, on DZ. But did, were you excited the day it happened or were you just like, you seem fairly like it was just part of a bigger plan? <laughs> yeah, I think it's part, I, I mean, I, I'm not, um, I wasn't that, I don't know, I didn't really think about it. It's really, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't really think about it. It's all right. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, just to <sighs> damn you and your wild ambition. <laughs> <laughs> I don't honestly. I mean, obviously, you know. I think it's it's a different culture, but also, uh, you know, um, I don't know. I just don't care about all the media. I mean, my girlfriend was more excited about it. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so your girlfriend's kind of she's <laughs> she's driving the media side of it. So yeah. she's obviously. That to her is a massive milestone, I would yeah, imagine, yeah, starting to get in. Yeah, but to you, exactly. you're like, that's not helping me design a bike. That's yeah. just another thing I don't think about. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't care about it, really. Oh, that's cool. I hadn't really thought of it like that. You yeah. make quite a good team, don't you, you and your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah we make we make a good team. I'm, I'm really happy to be with her. I mean, So what's... Uh... So how how's it all going? So you've, you've got your initial... Let's probably give listeners a bit more information. So you... I will wrap this up in a minute. I realize it's taken a lot of your time. So you, you've, got, you've got your 50 orders... 
and you're just waiting to test, and then when are you delivering the first like round of bikes and stuff? Is that so? Yeah, we no, no, no. So we we're, we're working to deliver them in August, and I think we're gonna achieve that. I mean, that's why I'm be we're doing fifty bikes because, for example, if I if you know if I started tomorrow, I could build them you mm. know, myself. I don't need someone else. Obviously, with uh, with our manufacturer, you know, we could get it done very fast. So now what we're concentrating on, so. He's signing the you know the partnership the deal with mm. with the manufacturer and also I'm looking to hire a industrial designer so we we rounded up uh, two people and they're kind of we're kind of recruiting so is this I've the guy said, I bumped into outside yeah, yeah that's what yeah that's one of the guys um, so you're interviewing for an industrial designer yeah yeah so we rounded up and. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I mean, love how, yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm interviewing for new staff and stuff. <laughs> so, so Carl, well, you were building a model the other day, and you were like, you were building a model for one of our projects, and you were like, yeah, no, I just have to go and interview some guy for an industrial design job. <laughs> just so calm about it. What have not bothered? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like as I said, because probably I concentrate too much on the future. Like, mm. for example, in in March, we're gonna meet up with uh, someone from Evans. So, you know... What, Evans the bike manufacturer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't know if I should say it. I mean, probably I should say it. So, I mean, we're, we're having a meeting with the CEO of Evans. You know, I mean, wow. we're not meeting someone from below or anything. So, we, we, we set up, you know, we have that set up. And probably that will lead to maybe a partnership. Who knows? Maybe get them to have the bikes in store and people checking them out. Like, literally having, you know, to... Because it's hard to understand something if you just see a yeah. picture. You know, I mean, especially like a bike... And once people, you know, get, get, you know, feel it and then mm. feel it compared to other bikes, they'll, you know, instantly get it. You know, I mean, if they're looking to buy a folding bike. Well, I said this to you before, that, that <coughs> the, the, the way that you're marketing and the photographs you've got and the fact that it's a very, it's a very, it's kind of a beautiful, elegant design, but it's, it's very primary colors. And you can just imagine that lending itself to any number of color variations. Yeah. And, and you know, they remember the Apple uh, white headphones adverts, you know, it just yeah. like really looked like bright pink colors and then yeah, it was like yeah. different white cords. And it's like, I don't know, I can totally see it sells itself, really. I mean, you can see that in a window and it's kind of, you get it. <laughs> yeah. With, so with eight pineapples next to it as a, as a reference for weight. <laughs> it's it's really funny because um, I've been writing it about London uh, these, these couple of days and... People have you know started stopping me and like asked me, oh, what's this bike? I, I, like when we were outside, literally, and a guy with a Brompton stopped and he was like, oh, what's this? You know, and picked up and was like, oh my god, this is amazing. You know, like, and also I was like uh, near near um, museum, British the British Museum, mm-hmm. and there was like this guy who was riding a ghost cycle, and I don't know, we we started chatting and you know, I was like, oh, what do you think about your ghost cycle? It's a, an electric an electric bike. It's really heavy. I mean, it's really amazing. It's it's an amazing bike. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. It's different, totally different market. But anyway, he he brought his like he had a couple of friends like all mid agent. This guy picks up the bike, and he's uh, he's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. You know, it's lighter than my my suitcase. And everyone's like, you know, gave me the cards and like, oh, you know, I want you know to get in contact. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they want you know they they basically want wanna wanna secure a bike. <laughs> so we you know like in in literally in like ten minutes I sold three bikes, and like as soon as people see it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want this to be a a folding bike, you know. So it's not for people who are looking to buy a folding bike. This is a proper bike. It's something very different than what's out there on on the market. It's for, it's you know, for it's a mode of transport. So it's it's a it's a means of freeing up the city. So this is how I see it, you know. Like, 
a bicycle is is some uh, a means of it's not just a means of transport it's freedom because if you if you go out you know and you you know you're in london especially because it's such a big place it's literally you're stuck you can't go on foot i mean ideally you should go on foot everywhere but obviously in london it's it's impossible and for me this bike you know just this is the, the you know its primary reason to exist is mm. it frees up the city so you're not dependent on tubes you're not impe- like when the bike you know like when the tube strike in london was it was chaos for everyone who was dependent on on long yeah, subway oh. including my girlfriend she had to work from home you know and and just like creates this, this disruption you know and, and just think of like the i don't know the for me, I mean, you're a cyclist as well. You don't have to put up with uh, yeah. with a rush hour in the tube or like in the buses. It's just crazy. I'm the, I'm the kind of the other end of the cycling spectrum where I love <laughs> buying my big carbon fiber bike and I wear all my ridiculous Lycra. But that's that's why for me a bike like that because I, like I like I want to ride it on the weekends. But yeah. whereas I people in suits who ride Bromptons, I'm like, well, I totally get it. You know, why would you why would you ride a heavier version of a folding bike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I I kind of get it. But um, one thing I did want to ask you about, I don't know if you're allowed to to say it, so I won't say it. But you you're going for a, a cool meeting in a couple of weeks, aren't you? I don't know if you're allowed to say what it is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, so we've been yeah we've been rounded up in there, so we're gonna present to the Friday Club, which is. Uh, in a way, a startup incubator, and there's a lot of people like from marketing background and you know research innovators basically, and they all you know head up there and look at they basically see uh, what's the coolest startups you know because Friday Club yeah. selects you know what's the most innovative products and things. So what, where's this open? Like was it like uh, oh, Silicon Valley? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. So you know, it's we're gonna present, we're gonna do a presentation there, and then we're gonna get feedback probably. You know, people who want to help us out or like get, want to get involved with with. Uh, By we, do you mean do you mean literally just you? You're going to yeah, be on the presentation. Yeah, me and Ligia. So we're going to be on on stage and present the bike and you know show them how it folds and and tell us the story, tell tell them the story and what what kind of what kind of problem we want to solve with with this with this with this product. Not in front of four hundred people. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you don't again seem pretty calm about that. Uh, well, it's just it's, part of a bigger plan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is part of the bigger plan. I mean. There's so much, there's so many things, you know, that need to be, uh, I think, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to seem arrogant or anything, but literally the world is kind of dying, you know, and there's so many problems, you know, like there's the cancer. I I mean, I can't believe cancer hasn't been cured yet, you know, and, you know, this is like the things I just get annoyed about and I'm doing something about the things I know I, I can do something about, you know, like transportation and I don't know, I just think of, you know, imagine... Just like for me, this is like I would say what what my bike, you know, does is imagine you, know, you want to go out on a Saturday. It's two o'clock, you know, and what do you do? I mean, you know, what what do you do? You know, and and for me, the like the most optimal op- optimal solution from any point of view is having a bike. Mm. You know, riding a bike home because you know you don't use any gas. It's cheap. You don't pay anything for it. You know, and just you're just depending on yourself to to get there, and <clears throat> I think that's I don't know, like this vision of self reliance in a way. It's just I don't know. It just so, so how much how much does the bike cost then when it when it goes on? So or is that still right, fluctuating? Yeah, it's it's still fluctuating because we want to give the best product, and I think you know, like if you buy a Mac, you know, like a good Mac is about two thousand pounds, you mm. know, and you can buy a cheap laptop for like two hundred, three hundred, but you know, you when you you know people want to buy a mac because it's like the best Mm. user experience you know and i think that's what i want to do with the bike you know it's going to be the best user experience it's going to be the best bike for i mean obviously 
it's not for racing, you know, it's a means of transport. It's going to be the best means of transport. You know, it's, it's economical, it's super safe, it's, you know, comfortable to ride. And this is what I want to integrate. So that's why, I mean, we're still working on the design, I think. So, of it. how much does it cost? <laughs> I, I would say around around the same price as a... Uh, 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 eight pineapples. Uh, eight pineapples, <laughs> yeah. A small lump of gold. <laughs> Four diamonds. Four diamonds. Well, I think... Um, well, I will wrap it up now. But uh, what, what? so... What um this would be my last question I promise, yeah. uh, but you get me all excited. What can I say? Um, what what's next for the, what's next then? So you you're doing a presentation, uh, yeah, and then so I think once once we get so there's so many things happening in parallel. What, um, what do you want from these kind of presentations? So it, what, do you want to market it to the largest market possible? Is that is that your goal, or do you want to achieve? Yes, yeah? I, th- I think so. Yeah, I want to. I mean, I, I think ideally, you know, people would adopt. A hummingbird, you know, in in their life, and and they'll see, you know, what it does, and and the bike will speak for itself. Because then, you know, people are gonna ride it and be like, oh, like I have this bike, and literally just lift it like like this, you know, like it's nothing. Yeah. And other people are like, oh my god, you know, it's just gospeling, you know, for, for itself. And, uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, you are not short of enthusiasm for this bike, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, so what's next is. Um, you know, get the bike done, finalize the designs, yeah. send the first 50 out there to people, have, you know, see them that, you know, see the reaction and get the feedback. And obviously then make the next version because this is just the beginning for me. You know, like I have so many ideas I want to implement. Uh, I'm working on an electric version because I just see the poten- the benefits of having an electric bike, especially within the city. And there's so many, you know, improvements I want to mm-hmm. do on the bike and on the design, but not just that, just many things. So I kind of want to turn into a... I mean, I don't want to do it myself. I want to hire best people, you know, and I'm, I think I'm going to get to that point very soon where, you know, we can look at problems like, you know, chairs, seating. I don't know. Maybe nothing will come out of it, but maybe something will come out of it mm-hmm. that will change the world, you know, and I think that's kind of what I want to do. I don't want to leave my mark or anything. It's not it's not egotistical. It's not driven by, you know, oh, it's going to be a Peter bike or, you know, that's why I didn't want to have my name on the bike, even though that was like the first suggestion of everyone, because I just think that's ridiculous. I mean, and Hummingbird, I want this to become, you know, something that's, I mean, what Apple is not anymore. You know, it's like you always hear about the Apple finances and all these things. And I think in the past, it was very exciting about innovation, whereas now Apple has taken the backstage, you know, they're like, let Samsung or HTC, you know, do the crazy things like, uh, I don't know, whatever new feature they, mm-hmm. you know, present just to get an edge. And then they release as well something, you know, like two years or three years after everyone else released it, you know, like a bigger screen or, you know, uh, higher capacity or anything. So, you know, they're they're just kind of, they're not innovators anymore. You know, they're just sitting on their laurels and selling and making money. They're a money making machine. And I kind of resent that because I think today, especially... There's a, there's a lack in good design because everything, all the talented people went to tech and IT and like Silicon Valley and everything about, you know, startups and money is mm. tech related or internet related. And I think that's really bad in a way, but also very happy for me because I'm obsessed with physical things. And I think there's so many, especially with the new technology and the new ways to, you know, touch so many people like internet Kickstarter and all these things that mm. there's so much potential to you know, create amazing things that change people's lives, you know, and like, I don't know. Have you, you, because I interviewed, uh, so your podcast will go out in two weeks time, this one. And then after that, I've already recorded it, is the guy called Johnny Steiner who started OpenDesk. And that's open source desk design. So they make desks, but the idea is that 
uh, instead of someone, say you and I buy a desk and then we ship yeah. it over to whichever country they're in, the idea is that they send the digital files over to that country and then the, all the files they can just see and see machine out and uh, and that and then you know those guys pay and stuff. I, mean, I was just thinking like that idea, you know, you want to try and affect as many people's lives as possible. You know, the idea that, you know, you I know carbon fiber is quite hard to make, but the idea that, you know, just putting the design online, you know, so anyone can build them. I mean, yeah. the chances are no one knows how to use carbon fiber and build it like you do. But it's like as a statement of like, you know, world domination, you know, you want to change the world. Well, then because I kind of I understand people want to make money. I totally get that. And also you put all that time and effort and you don't want to give the design away for free. But there's also like I get guessed at a certain point, maybe when you move on to Mark two. You yeah. just give Mark Word out for free because you're not going to make any more money from it and yeah. people may be able to benefit from it and you oh, might yeah, see sure, some of those sure. bonkers that, versions of it. Yeah, that, that's a great idea actually. Uh, and I mean, it's one of the things I loved hearing from Tesla mm. recently yeah, is that yeah. they made all the stuff open source and I think that's a genius idea. Mm. And I totally agree with that. I mean, I will, you know, as as uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great idea. With, with this bike, though, I think it's quite dangerous in a way to let people do it because, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, it's not your responsibility, but, you know, it's something that could potentially not harm just you, yeah. but other people, you know, because with, yeah. with carbon fiber, you know, I mean, you can ride, let's say, 30 miles an hour on a bike and it fails underneath you, but you're not alone on the street. You know, there's someone else driving behind you mm. and they run over you and you ruin their lives and yours. So uh, that's one of the things yeah, I kind of consider, no, you know. That makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, we kind of have to keep it under yeah. control. And I mean, we're going to have, that's, that's. You make a very, very good point, Peter. I hadn't really <laughs> thought about the, uh, you're probably more aware of the so uh, the safety aspects of <laughs> having a bike on the road. <laughs> well, that's, uh, dude, that's amazing. It's very inspiring. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk yeah, to me. Yeah, no worries. Thank, thank you very much. There you go. That was episode 16 of the Create More podcast with uh, Peter Cutchin. Uh, that was good, right? Interesting. Inspiring. It, it, very excitable. I think, um, yeah, if you didn't, we didn't have to leave the office. I think uh, we could have carried on for ages. Um, that, so uh, I said at the beginning, that is uh, that is technically part three of the Kickstart special. That's because uh, episode nine of series one, um, I interviewed Chris Roma Lee, who also is an architect runs Studio Octopi. But if you haven't listened to it, he's also done a Kickstarter campaign for the Thames Bath, uh, which is a floating Lido in the Thames, uh, which is another just, it's just a gorgeous project. Uh, another one I just would, I, I would, I wish I'd had that idea. <laughs> uh, and the, the thing I like about Kickstarter, as I feel the projects are very honest, they're, they're kind of, they never feel like they're part of some like bigger scheme or you know they've they've been diluted in such a way that you know they they fit into a marketing campaign of some other bigger product like they feel like a unique idea and i think that's why people are good ones people respond to them so much because like for example peter's bike very unlike uh, other bikes you've seen and also it feels like you know if you're giving him money for a bike you know it's going to him um you know you're not paying for this massive corporation with all their overheads and stuff and uh, with Sam's, you know, you're, this is a, a very personal book. It's about, you know, what it's like to have dyslexia. and But it's done in a really, really, really good way. So, I mean, I, I've already shown the books loads of people just because I, I really like it. And it, telling people, it's really fun to tell people, oh, I've interviewed this guy about the, about the Hummingbird bike. And then you, you know, you talk to people about all the cool stuff he's done. It just makes you want to get up and do more, which is the whole point about the podcast, create more. Um 
And the thing uh, about Chris's Thames Bath is that it's it's like another just fantastic project. I mean, what's not to like about it? Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's I think they're still trying to get planning permission, or they're trying to get more money together. I mean, again, I've um, I actually spoke to someone who is involved in the uh, they're actually involved in the investment side at like a, a planning level, and she was really positive about the Thames Bath. So I'm going to try and get her on the podcast. Um, or at least interview Chris again and find out what they're doing. Uh, I also had a chat with Alistair Parvin. This is one of like, um, for me anyway, I felt like one of my standout podcasts of the last series, which was um, uh, all about WikiHouse and open source architecture. And, you know, Alistair's trying to, they're trying to massively increase the infrastructure, software infrastructure, like digital side of uh, WikiHouse. And it's not just... Man, if it, again, it's one of those things as well. It's, it's been so interesting to you know be involved from the ground up uh, to have interviewed him, you know, such a, like a long time ago. It's getting on for a year ago, I think, um, or maybe eight months ago. Anyway, uh, and uh, I think when you say WikiHouse, I think most people think of you know like a CNC machined plywood plywood buildings. And while that is exactly how it started, that was like a you know beta version of the thing. They're now trying to expand to incorporate different materials different size houses uh and parametric house design and one of the really cool things is that they're trying to design a program i don't know if any of you've used like bim the the dreaded word bim uh but trying to do like trying to design a house so anyone with a plot of land can just click on wiki house uh click they want you know two bed house they want it can be a bungalow, it can be a two-story, it can be a three-story. And each time you change the parameters, you can see how the cost changes. But also what's really cool is you can see the construction time changes. And they're trying to build this thing from the ground up. And again, another one in five years' time, it, it'll be amazing. So um, getting him to do a talk at Make. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I think I just have to interview him again. Because every time I met for lunch, and he's just a very interesting guy. So... Uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this podcast with Peter. Uh, go to their website, hummingbird uh, hummingbirdbike.com. Check it out. Um, yeah, and just go out and go out and come up with an idea and go for it because it, it just makes the world a better place. There you go. How's that for a cheesy end to a podcast? Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week where we have Johnny Steiner from OpenDesk. So, um, Alistair Parvin founded WikiHouse as part of Zero Zero Architects. Uh, and Johnny founded OpenDesk, which is this open source desk um, designer. And again, I interviewed him and he started off, you know, he's just talking about how he started off very small. And then by the end, I found out he's running a 22 person startup. <laughs> and only, you know, trained to be an architect, you know, just exactly the same as me, but he just got kind of passionate into the desk side of things. You know, they were doing desk design for other people, um, open sourced it, you know, they, 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 cause zero, zero kind of a startup as well. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of exploded in size and that's a really, really good one. So, uh, yeah, I seem to be focusing a lot of startups and Kickstarter campaigns. So yeah, thank you so much for listening and tune in a fortnight's time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.